We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Thank you. You're welcome, sweetie. Have a good day. The demand for healthcare professionals who deliver both comfort and critical care is growing. FindNursingSchools.com connected me with an accelerated bachelor's of nursing degree program in my area with expanded capacity so I could complete the program in 16 months. Now I'm on the path to an in-demand career that offers job stability, flexible schedules, competitive pay, and the choice of where to work. Visit FindNursingSchools.com to begin your journey today. The Exxon Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. All-Hit Radio. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. And for the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, Star Cable, and our many broadcast affiliates right across Canada, the United States, Central America, the Caribbean, South America, the Pacific Rim, Asia, Africa, and Europe. Worldwide toll-free, 1-800-610-7035. Email exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, exxonradiotv at hotmail.com. And, of course, our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. This hour, Exxon Nation, we're going to be talking about the NASA conspiracies. It's a new book by Nick Redford, and uh, Nick works full-time as an author, a lecturer, and journalist. 
He writes regularly for UFO, Fate, 14 Times, and Paranormal Magazines. His previous books include Contactees and Memoirs of a Monster Hunter, and There's Something in the Woods. Nix appeared on numerous television shows, including the History Channel's Monster Quest and UFO Hunters, the National Geographic Channel's Paranatural, and the Sci-Fi Channel's Proof Positive. Joining me all the way from cool and breezy Texas, where the Super Bowl was played this past weekend, is Nick Redford. Nick, always great having you on the show. How have you been, my good friend? I've been good, Rob. Thanks, and thanks for having me on the show again. Hey, congratulations on a great book, uh, The NASA Conspiracies. Thanks a lot. You know, I, I, I like asking you this question, but this time I'm sure there's going to be a lot more behind it. What was your inspiration for writing the NASA conspiracies? Well, it was a couple of things, really. I mean, a number of books have been written about various aspects mm-hmm. of conspiracy theories sort of leveled at NASA, and primarily those have either focused on the face on Mars controversy right. or the issue of did we or didn't we go to the moon. Um, but what I found when I was sort of doing cursory research into NASA, just sort of looking at ideas for future books, was that there was a huge amount of witness testimony reports, official documents that linked NASA with a whole range of UFO-related issues primarily that had never really been discussed at length in book form before. In other words, you know, a lot of very good, solid research had been done into, as I said, the face on Mars mm-hmm. and the moon landing controversy. But a lot of these other issues have been kind of glossed over. So I thought, well, why not try and give them, hopefully, the treatments you know, they deserve and, and put all these different stories under one banner, if you like, and, and point out to people that, hey, you know, there is more to the UFO issue and alien life as it relates to NASA than just the face on Mars and, and things like that. So. ExoNation, Nick Redfern is my guest this hour. We're talking about Nick's new book. It's entitled The NASA Conspiracies, The Truth Behind the Moon Landings, Censored Photos, and The Face on Mars. Um, Nick, what is your website for our listeners so during the commercial break they can get onto their computer and check your site out? Okay, the, the website is nickredfern.com, but uh, I also have a, um, a NASA blog for the book itself, which is nasaconspiracies.blogspot.com, and people can find out all about the book there. That's probably the best place to go. All right, so that's nasaconspiracies.blogspot.com. Correct, yeah. Nick Redford and I will be back on the other side of this two-minute commercial break, Nation, as we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Once again, our contact information is 1-800-610-7035, worldwide, toll-free. My email address is exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, exxonradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. Nick Redfern is my guest. His new book, The NASA Conspiracies, The Truth Behind the Moon Landing Censored Photos, and the face on Mars. For more information, visit his blog, nasaconspiracies.blogspot.com and his regular website, nickredford.com. We'll be back in two minutes. Don't go away. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer.
Well, I just got back from Roswell, where the aliens have been. And if you ask the feds the cause, well, they'll only lie again. Now I'm hunted by the gumshoes, and I'm wanted by the cops. Cause they think that I might be the guy making circles in the crops. And I know that there's a conspiracy from the voices in my head. Elvis lives, that's clear to me. It's McCartney who is dead. And if the Mars man should come again and take me, I will go. I will take a trip on their rocket ship. God bless the UFO. Give JFK this message. It's the Cuban army's fault. And I know that Dave Koresh is alive inside a vault. We've seen reports in papers of a guy who knows about a car that runs on chewing gum, but the Arabs rubbed him out. And we loudly warn that America is badly unprepared. With the Cold War through, we need something new that can get you good and scared. You wonder just who is warning you of conspiracies today. We're the ones who fill the rumor mill. We are the CIA. Nick Redfern is my special guest. We're talking about Nick's new book. It's entitled The NASA Conspiracies, The Truth Behind the Moon Landing, Censored Photos, and the Face on Mars. Tell me, Lynn, uh, Nick, Lynn, who the hell is Lynn? I don't know. <laughs> oh, I see. That was a message from our news girl. Um, have astronauts actually seen UFOs in space, Nick? Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting area of research. What, what's particularly intriguing is that we have reports from astronauts mm -hmm. um, so who've seen UFOs uh, in space, and we actually have reports from astronauts who saw UFOs before they were astronauts, when they were in the military. So, you know, we have sort of like a two-pronged attack where we can say with a lot of credible evidence, you know, in support of the, the notion that astronauts and, and NASA have taken a great deal of interest in the whole UFO phenomenon. One of the most intriguing stories, and again, this is one of the reasons why I wrote the book, was because there's a very little-known story that I actually uncovered. Um, I used the Freedom of Information Act and actually got hold of a number of very intriguing files from the FBI, which dealt with an FBI investigation of a, a whistleblower source within NASA, who in the mid-1960s was reportedly leaking information to people, UFO researchers attached to the old uh, National Investigating, Investigative Committee on Aerial Phenomena, NICAP. And the documents talk about how this source supposedly had access to inside information in NASA with respect to um, astronaut sightings of UFOs and um, particularly UFO activity relative to the Gemini, Project Gemini program, the MAN program, mm -hmm. at the 1960s. And one of the documents in this FBI collection talks about how reportedly um, that on one of the um, Gemini flights, particularly specifically Gemini 4, that apparently the craft, and by definition the astronauts themselves, had devices on board to detect UFOs in outer space. Now, that's, 
you know, is an intriguing story because it's not hearsay or friend of a friend story. That's actually a literal extract lifted from the now declassified FBI files talking about NASA astronauts going into space specifically to detect for UFOs. And the information was coming from an insider source in NASA. And I think that's why the FBI took the story so seriously. And they went to really great depths to look into this particular case and actually found that the NASA whistleblower, whose name is actually um, deleted from the declassified files, even glued hairs um, to the backs of the envelopes so that the people he was sending them to, if the hairs weren't there, they would know they'd been opened Hmm. surreptitiously on the way. So it was like a really intricate story about NASA astronauts, um, technologies aboard the Gemini flight to detect UFOs and this this secret FBI investigation. That's just one example. Now, one of the other astronauts who went on to become an astronaut, um, Gordon Cooper, again, um, you know, one of the most famous of the, all the Apollo, excuse mm-hmm. me, of all the NASA astronauts. Um, rather ironically, his UFO encounter actually occurred prior to him becoming an astronaut. He had a, a fantastic encounter over Europe in 1951, where as a pilot in the military, um, he saw a number of UFOs and was so profoundly changed by this experience that in later years, when the United Nations were thinking about setting up a UFO project, a research project, he actually lent his weight to the project and said, you know, I believe these things exist, I've seen them, and I think an advanced civilization is visiting the Earth. And this is really just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, another astronaut, Deke Slayton, he had an encounter with what he described as like a being a very small UFO, you know, but very compact, perhaps the size of a car or even smaller. Um, but I think the important thing is, you know, these are people trained not in just the world of aviation initially, but trained as NASA astronauts. And they're saying, you know, hey, we saw UFOs or we tracked them or we had, you know, there were devices aboard um, aircraft to look for UFOs as with this FBI story. And I think when you collectively put all this body of data and testimony together, you know, we have an impressive amount of material where astronauts are talking about their own UFO encounters. Did any of these astronauts ever bring forward since they've left the the um, the people at NASA any photographs or any evidence to substantiate these claims? Not really, but that sort of dovetails into another aspect of the book where I include a whole chapter on several cases where it's quite clear that NASA photographs that showed aerial anomalies, yeah. UFOs, etc., either conveniently vanished or were airbrushed out, where the anomalies were airbrushed out before the photographs were released into the public domain by NASA. One classic example um, comes from a woman named Donna Hare. And this is, this is a very convincing and very interesting story um, that she tells. And basically, it relates to... Um, it, it, the story surfaced a number of years ago, and basically what it is that Donna Hare, she was actually contracted in the 1960s, mm-hmm. uh, excuse me, in the 1970s, um, with um, a company that worked closely uh, with NASA called Philco. And she actually received a number of awards from NASA, including an Apollo Achievement Award. And she worked in Building 8 in the photographic lab at the Houston, Texas Space Johnson Space Center. She got talking with a guy there who told her, uh, or actually showed her a photograph that showed some sort of 
circular shaped objects and he sort of confided in her that part of his job was to airbrush these images out mm. now and that's just one story another man who's come forward with a kind of a similar story is a man named Carl Wolf who in the mid 1960s um, was serving with the US Air Force and spent some time working on NASA's lunar orbiter project at Langley Air Force Base in Virginia while he was there he was told of photographs that NASA had obtained um, from um, an orbiter traveling around the moon, what looked like some sort of large base on the far side of the moon, which certainly wasn't anything built by NASA or the Russians. And Carl Wolf assumed this was going to be big news, you know, and everybody would know about it. And of course, we didn't find out. And these are just sort of two cases, the tip of the iceberg that I mentioned in the book, where there seems to be evidence of a lot of intriguing UFO-related photographs, which could, you know, conceivably involve astronaut photographs entering NASA, but not much leaving NASA, you know, and coming out into the public domain. And, you know, as I said, that if this was just once or twice, mm -hmm. we could write it off. When we see it happening time and again, it's clear that there's, you know, a pattern developing. Nick, what about uh, the, uh, the fact that WikiLeaks haven't released any any documents pertaining to UFO activity or extraterrestrial visitations, if there is this information available, don't you think that the people at WikiLeaks would love to dump this on to the public? Yeah, I think this is actually a very valid question. And I think this supports a scenario that a lot of people in the UFO field hold. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look at the material that WikiLeaks has released, it's primarily from official government agencies. Yes. There's this sort of developing viewpoints within much of the UFO research community that perhaps the really guarded UFO secrets um, are sort of transferred to a body that almost operates outside of government, like a black budget organization that isn't answerable um, to Congress, you know, isn't um, responsible via congressional oversight, mm -hmm. etc., that gets its money through black funding. And in all, in all respects, otherwise, doesn't really exist. And so... You know, I think almost like a ufological Iran-Contra, you know, where a bunch of people get together, they have a project, but it, in literal terms, it doesn't exist. It involves people from various agencies drafted in, and as I said, getting the money in under-the-table fashion. And I suspect that could explain why we're seeing a complete lack of material from WikiLeaks, because the hard evidence isn't held by the recognized agencies. You know, it's buried mm -hmm. so deep that maybe even people in government, most people don't even know it exists. You know, everybody's got a digital camera these days. You can get a high-definition digital camera uh, right on uh, eBay for under 100 bucks mm -hmm. these days. And yet, no one has come out with that video footage or that photograph that is all convincing, the smoking gun. And that to me, raises a lot of one major question. Why not? Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's a very valid question. I mean, you know, I think we have to be careful in two ways. One is that as technology develops, mm -hmm. you know, and you, we find a lot of video footage surface in which often is viewed with a great deal of suspicion because it is very easy to manipulate yeah. footage these days. My personal view is with respect to photographs, I think what this demonstrates is that the vast majority of UFO sightings, we can put down to mistaken identities, hoaxes, etc., etc. In other words, the number of genuine UFO sightings is actually very small. And so I think 
you know, most people who have a genuine sighting may not have time to photograph the object, mm -hmm. so we have even less photographs. So in other words, I think, you know, that the genuine pictures, because they're so small, reflect the fact that the phenomenon itself isn't necessarily as big as a lot of people think it is. It could be quite a small phenomenon, but, you know, we there's so many fake reports or yep. mistaken identities flood the field that it mm -hmm. looks like there's an armada of craft coming rather than, you know, it's entirely possible. It's just a small number. Nick, stand by, my friend. You and I have to take our commercial break with the news at the bottom of the hour. Exonation. Nation, Nick Redfern is my special guest. We're talking about Nick's new book, The NASA Conspiracies, The Truth Behind the Moon Landings, Censored Photos, and the Face on Mars. Here's Nick's uh, blog site. It's, cons uh, it's NASA Conspiracies.blogspot.com. We'll be back on the other side of the news. Don't go away. Welcome to the Exxon Broadcast Network, coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to call Rob worldwide, 1-800-610-7035. That's toll-free, 1-800-610-7035. Send Rob an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, you can always chat with Rob during the broadcast by using the Hotmail address, TV at hotmail.com, and our new website, www.xzoneradiotv.com. Now here's the host of the Exxon Radio and TV show, Rob McConnell. Explanation. Um, Nick Redfern's our special guest. Nick's got a new book. It's entitled The NASA Conspiracies, The Truth Behind the Moon Landing, Censored Photos, and the Face on Mars. His blog spot is nasaconspiracies.blogspot.com. And his website is www.nickredfern.com. Nick, what about the, um, the controversy that the Apollo moon landings were actually faked, that um, it really didn't happen. In fact, uh, there was a movie that had O.J. Simpson in it. I, I think it was Capricorn One mm -hmm. that, that was based on a, a, an alleged Martian flight that never happened. It was actually done in a, in a soundstage in the middle of the desert. There are a lot of people who believe that the United States never went to the moon, that it was a, 
a, a faked effort to show military and technological superiority over the former Soviet Union at the time, especially since the Soviets had landed a robotic um, a, a robot onto the moon and brought moon rocks back without having to having to uh, put any human lives in danger. Mm-hmm. What about that? Yeah, you're right. Mm. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people forget that. The, the Russians, you know, they landed a craft on the mm-hmm. moon. They also launched the first satellite, the first animal, yeah. and the first man into space. So, you know, the, at the height of the Cold War, much although there was a great deal of scientific effort to get to the moon, you know, the, to looking at the scientific issues, there was also a great deal of you know, the battle of one-upmanship at the height of the Cold War to, to demonstrate, as you said, superiority over the Soviet Union, and they wanted superior to, superiority over the West, etc. Now, in 1999, the Gallup poll revealed that approximately 6% of the U.S. population didn't believe the moon landings went ahead. And that may not sound a lot until you realize that in 1999, 6% equated to approximately 18 million Americans, which is, you know, a fantastic number of people. Um, Now, various theories have been put forward and observations as to why people, certain researchers and authors believe we didn't go to the moon. Um, My book, The NASA Conspiracies, is a study of NASA conspiracy theories and obviously the, the biggest one is probably the moon landings i have to say that on this one i actually do side with nasa i think we did go to the moon however what i am um, i th- what i pointed out in the book is the reasons why i think the theory has proliferated one is quite a simple one it's a lot of people are very distrustful of anything that comes out of the mouth of any government you know and there's a lot of jaded views that anything we're told, you know, we should take it with a pinch of salt. And I think that reflects on this as well, you know, the idea, well, there's just no way we could have done that. But, you know, other issues that have been brought up is why is it that in many of the photographs allegedly taken on the moon, you know, we don't see any stars. Mm -hmm. Some people have said, well, if the stars were shown and it was filmed on the Earth, then we'd be able to tell that the stars were actually in a position where they would be if you were standing on the Earth, which would give the game away. Now, NASA counters that by saying, well, the, the lack of an atmosphere on the moon and the brightness of the sun with no clouds or atmosphere actually washes out the stars in the photographs because it's, you know, the sun's too bright. Um, now, of course, this makes people on the other side of the fence roll their eyes. But I think two things that are in NASA's favor particularly, one is the large amount of moon rock they brought back and the other issue, a lot of people aren't aware of this, is the, you know, the whole angle of people say, well, why don't we just go back or why don't we photograph that part of the moon? But that's actually been done in July uh, 2009. NASA's Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter actually photographed the area where the first Apollo lunar module landed. And you can actually see evidence, what looks like the craft, and even the, the marks and the tracks where the astronauts were moving around. Now, of course, people on the other side of the fence say, well, we can't trust the pictures because they originated with NASA. So, in other words, it's like a very much a circular mm-hmm. argument. But I, what I do believe is that NASA did send the astronauts to the moon. But I, don't think, I think what has let NASA down is that they haven't been forthright enough in vigorously explaining 
the anomalies away that um, have, have sort of proliferated ever since. So, you know, a lot of people may disagree with me, and, and you know, that's fine. That's what we're here for, to debate it. Mm-hmm. You know, they may say, well, Nick has written about conspiracy, so why doesn't he believe this one? You know, and I think it would reflect badly on me if I just accepted blindly every conspiracy theory that comes along. I try and look at them honestly and openly and just go where the evidence leads. And I think on this one, I think the evidence is in NASA's favor that we did go. Um, Now, this kind of dovetails and leads into another area where people say, well, why didn't we go back? And this sort of brings up the issue, well, did we go back? And has there been some sort of clandestine space program since then that the general public largely doesn't know anything about? And that's an area that a lot of people have dug Mm -hmm. into. You know, the idea that perhaps we're developing highly advanced craft that have left the Earth's atmosphere and that may even operate outside of NASA. You know, it may be some sort of sophisticated military project. Um, you know, the, the militarization of space is definitely something that's advancing. Well, if this um, is if this if a, if it is a craft under military control and military command, couldn't this explain possibly some of the UFO sightings that are being reported? That yes, it is a UFO, but no, it's not from Alpha Centauri, yeah. but from our own planet. Mm-hmm. No, I actually agree with you on that point. I think yeah. you know when people talk about UFOs, there's this. Gray area. Black and white scenario that it's either hoaxing or it's aliens, you know, and there's no middle ground. My view is that there's absolutely no doubt, I think, that a lot of UFOs are sophisticated, advanced military devices, whether prototype or whether actually in widespread use Mm -hmm. that we don't know about. And I think government agencies are actually very happy if we think they are UFOs because it acts as a good cover. And I think this has been done on many occasions that... You know, if people start talking about little green men, if one of these crafts inadvertently seen, it actually does push people away from the truth. And more importantly, it keeps the mainstream media away from wanting to ask questions because they don't want to deal with it. One of the biggest so, questions I, I have, Nick, is for the people who believe that the government for since the 1950s is working with the extraterrestrials. Mm-hmm. Then I ask them if... America went to the moon, and they'll say, sure, we did. And, you know, they're proud Americans, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Then my third question to them is, well, if the American, if the governments of the world are working with the extraterrestrials, why did we have to go to the moon? Mm-hmm. They don't know what to say. Uh, no, that's, that's actually a very good point. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, I wouldn't necessarily, necessarily say illogical issues, but, I mm-hmm. mean, you know, the whole, if you look back into the history of the Apollo program, you know, there was this whole visionary program where after the moon landings, there were plans, you know, there'll be something 10 years after, like a, an equivalent of a North Pole or South Pole outpost on the moon, which would grow in time, and then that would be uh, act as a staging post for launching manned missions to Mars, etc. You know, and it would be mankind's first step into outer space, and we'd have a permanent base on the moon, which could, you know, astronauts would be shuttled back and forth. But after Apollo, other than Skylab and the and the space shuttle program, we've never really had a, an exceptional manned program nope. that will ambitiously explore the solar system. Now, some people say, well, you know, people got jaded and there was no support for it anymore. Other people suggest there is such a program going on. Um, 
It's just that we don't know about it. You know, it's gone outside of the public domain, if you like, and into some sort of military-controlled black project. And, you know, if you look at a lot of these reports of these so-called big black flying triangle-type craft, I mean, who knows? People say, well, where are they taking off from? We don't see them taking off from military bases. Well, if we're flying them, maybe some of them are operating from outside the Earth. Mm -hmm. You know, I actually don't rule out that possibility, as controversial as it might sound. You know, it seems that America has lost, has fallen out of love with the space program as well. Uh, the, yeah. uh, the, uh, the, let's see, this is the second to last shuttle launch yeah. that's happening in April. And it's like, mm-hmm. big deal. If it, you know, I, and, and I hope nobody takes what I'm going to say wrong. And it's certainly, it's not meant to be mean or to be nasty. But if it wasn't for Representative Gifford, getting shot, I don't think that the next launch would be getting the attention that it is getting now. Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at the whole space program, there certainly isn't the enthusiasm for it that there was, say, in 1969, Mm -hmm. you know, when the Apollo missions were starting or when the Mercury and Gemini missions in the early to mid-60s were going on. You know, there was this sort of real air of patriotism and, wow, you know, we're venturing into new territories. Today, it's just Oh, it's just another satellite launch or whatever. Yeah, you know what I you think know? also has a lot to do with it, Nick, is that the International Space Station, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's, a, it's a global project. Mm-hmm. It's no longer the United States against Russia. Mm-hmm. And I think that this has a, got a lot to do with it. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I mean, there was a point where there was this rivalry, yep. and so it spurred people on. You know, it's kind of like a sports game. You know, one wants to better the other. Sure. Um, and today, the, you know, the, the excitement factor, the wow factor, I think, has gone out of the space program. And I think what would bring it back would be a real ambitious plan. Now, you know, NASA's talked about this, but a real ambitious plan where things really got moving to send people to Mars. I think that would be the thing that would really possibly wake people up. And, but let me ask you, know, you this, Nick, in all fairness. Do we need what? to go to Mars? Do we need to spend all the money getting people to Mars instead of spending that money on people here on this planet that actually need help now? No, my answer is no, we don't. You know, I think that, um, you know, we need to sort of really get our own house in order. It's fine if the world economy is fine and Mm -hmm. everything's running smooth, you know, like back in the 80s when, you know, everything was busy and booming. That's fine. But today, when the world's in a lot of trouble, then, you know, I think there is something to be said about... Let's just focus on here for a while, get things straight, then we can focus on what's out there. And I think there's also a good argument to be said about the notion that don't necessarily just focus on the psychological issue of getting men to Mars. Why not focus on getting a really sophisticated craft and and even more highly advanced rovers and Mm -hmm. craft that can actually travel around Mars for a very long time and map the planet out really to an extent that hasn't been done even so far? You know, and it, it's really more of a, a game of one-upmanship to an extent to still send a person there. You know, we can still do a, gr- a great job by sending machines and, sure. you know, remotely controlled devices, etc. Like, we, we know for a fact that we can land the robots on Mars, that the robots are capable of doing everything that, mm-hmm. that, a, uh, that a human could do. So why even think of sending a human on Mars mm-hmm. besides the point of saying that we put a man on Mars? Well, I think that's it. that is what it comes down to. It, it, it would be like a, a history-making thing. 
but it's like whether or not mm-hmm. in today's climate making history is, is as important as healthcare yep. and you know population levels and the environment and everything else you know i think it's no point going to to mars if our planet's wrecked you know <laughs> so. sure L- let me ask you this in in a capsulated version why do you think that nasa may or may not be hiding the truth about ufo's well you know i think it's not so much the issue that ufo's may exist and if there are some UFOs which are from another realm of existence, mm-hmm. whether extra-dimensional, excuse me, extraterrestrial, interdimensional, who knows what, if there are such entities, I don't believe it's just the literal fact that they exist that could possibly provoke the secrecy. I think it's the potential paradigm-changing issues that would have a massive impact on world religions, economy, mm-hmm. um, you know, even technology, if we've been hiding highly advanced technologies that could do away with fossil fuels. You know, I think it's all these different areas that could impact on people's lives beyond just an, an admission that, yes, alien life exists and we found it 50 years ago and we hid it from you. Nick, stand by, buddy. You and I have to take our final break for this hour. Exonation. Okay. Nation, Nick Redfern is my guest. www.nickredfern.com is his main website. His blog for his new book, The NASA Conspiracies, The Truth Behind the Moon Landing, Censored Photos, and the Face on Mars, is, you ready for this? Got your pens and pe- uh, pencils and paper ready? nasaconspiracies.blogspot.com And it's uh, published by the good people at New Page. Nick Redfern and I will return on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away now. This is the evening news. Let's go now to our field reporter, Ronaldo Riviera. This is Ronaldo Riviera on the banks of the stinky, muddy river with Mr. R.V. Frisbee, who claims to have witnessed something truly fantastic. Mr. Frisbee, could you tell us what you saw? Yeah, I was just hunkered down over there putting a stink wad on my trot line, and the short hairs just stood straight out on the back of my neck, and I turned around, and there's this big orange thing, them purple lights on it, comes so whooping over them pine trees, and just hoovered over the Winnebago there. Hyenas run out and throw the skillet at it, and then she scissored and run back in up on the hide of bed. About that time, little trap door opened up, little stair steps come down, this little pink bald-headed guy stuck his head out. Now, I seen that movie, Close Encounters. I just walked on over there big as I can, looked up in there, and there he was. That who was? I saw Elvis in a Ah, uh, Nick Redford is my special guest. He's got a brand new book out, Exo Nation. The NASA Conspiracies, The Truth Behind the Moon Landing, Censored Photos, and The Face on Mars. Here's Nick's website, www.nickredfern.com. That's nickredfern.com. And his blog is www.nasaconspiracies.blogspot.com. First of all, Nick, thanks very much for joining us. Congratulations on another great book. And um, 
Before we went to the break, we were talking about why NASA might suppress information or knowledge that uh, that they have or might not have on UFOs. And, and you were giving us some examples. And then you brought in the Vatican theology. Mm-hmm. You know, recently the Vatican has been, uh, has been warming up to the UFO community. And do you think that this is a sign of things to come in the future? Yeah, I mean, th- this is a very intriguing aspect to the, you know, the way the UFO phenomenon has certainly been developing, you know, in the last um, couple of years. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's absolutely no doubt that things are afoot within NASA. For example, in the last 10 years or so, a lot of um, people attached to the Vatican, very high-ranking people, have made highly positive statements about UFOs. Uh, one being Monsignor Corrado Balducci, yes. who before his death in 2008 made a lot of public statements on the issue. Now, also in 2008, specifically in May of that year, the Vatican made an announcement that a, a firm acceptance, if you like, in the existence of alien life, whether right now or still light years away, didn't clash in the slightest with their belief systems or the Vatican's teachings. And in that same month also, a prominent article titled Aliens and My Brother, was actually appeared in the pages of the Vatican's own in-house journal, which is called uh, Los Ervatori Romano. And this basically, again, reinforced the notion that the Catholic Church doesn't have a problem with alien life and, and it doesn't have a problem impacting upon their religious teachings. Now, a lot of people don't realize that the Vatican has a deep interest in um, outer space and astronomy and actually has its own observatory. And they've worked very closely with NASA on a number of occasions and various projects. And the fact that we're getting more and more statements along these lines has inevitably sort of raised suspicions that is this some sort of drip feed mm-hmm. where millions of people who follow, you know, the Vatican's teachings are going to be exposed to the theory and it acts as sort of a a litmus test to see how people react and then perhaps those on the inside have a better idea as to whether or not one day we'll be entrusted with the truth or not, whatever that may be. Um, you know, it's, But it is an interesting scenario that we are getting more and more positive or UFO-related statements from the Vatican and we hope we're seeing more and more ties between the Vatican and NASA. Explanation, if you've ever wondered what is NASA hiding Get Nick's new book, The NASA Conspiracies, The Truth Behind the Moon Landing, Censored Photos, and The Face on Mars. Nick Redfern, thanks very much for joining us, Nick. Always a great pleasure, and I look forward to having you back in the summertime when we're going to be talking about your new book, All About the Men in Black. All right. Well, I look forward to it, Rob. Thanks a lot. My great pleasure. Nick, take care of yourself in regards to your family. Bye-bye now. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Nick Redfern, www.nickredfern.com, and his blog, www.nasaconspiracies.blogspot.com. I'll be back on the other side of the news at six and a half minutes past as the X-Zone continues with yours truly, Rob McConnell, right here from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada.